Hey, and welcome to the Hard Hat Hangout podcast, where two constructaholics interview members of the built environment in the Mid-Atlantic region. I'm your host, Taylor Langley, along with my co-host, Ronnie Bruyard of Chesapeake Contracting Group. We're on a mission to get to know the incredible people who make up the commercial real estate industry of the DMV. Thanks for listening. everybody and thank you for joining us this morning our very first podcast uh with us is taylor langley our marketing manager for chesapeake contracting group i'm ronnie bruyard the director of business development for chesapeake contracting group and with us for our very first podcast is our very good friend troy morocco architect of brown craig turner thank you for joining us troy and really appreciate you hanging out with us this morning um I won't call you a guinea pig because I think much more highly of you of that. But uh, I wanted to kind of like the format for this podcast, we thought was we want to get to know the person and then we want to kind of delve into the market conditions uh, and some cool projects that you might be working on. Um, and let's see where, where it goes from there. And I wanted to my first question I wanted to ask you, um, Troy, was what? What prompted you to enter the the field of architecture? What was it that spurred you to make that decision? Yeah. Well, good morning, Taylor. Good morning, Ronnie. Thanks for the introduction again. Troy Morocco, senior associate with BCT Design Group. Very excited to be uh, on the inaugural uh, podcast with Ronnie and Taylor. I'm not even sure if they've named it officially yet, but I'm sure they'll work <laughs> on that and put something great to it. You know, with two great marketing minds like that. Um, so, you know, when it came to the architectural field, um, you know, really, I was initially intrigued by the wide array of the paths that you could take uh, and that, that you could pursue uh, within the field itself. So, you know, whether it be design or real estate law or development or things like that, those were all kind of things that I found appealing when I was initially considering, you know, the architectural field. It's interesting, too, that my other serious professional consideration was actually becoming an airline pilot. Um, so I was accepted into flight school and, you know, I was really strongly considering doing that. But 9-11 uh, actually happened my senior year. And so that really caused me to kind of refocus on architecture and really look at that a lot more closely. Uh, and that started to really made me think, okay, this is really what I want to do. I really feel that, you know, the, the faculty, uh, the campus, the surrounding variety of architecture in South Florida, all that stuff really kind of <laughs> contributed to me ending up down at University of Miami, which I really enjoyed for undergrad and grad school. Go Hurricanes. <laughs> Go Canes. Always. You know that. <laughs> well, that's awesome. So let me ask you, so what is it about your field that motivates you the most? I know that you're involved in a lot of master planning. Um, what is it about that that really gets your get your juices flowing and get you motivated? Yeah, you know, I, I I think the the thing that excites me most is just considerations of how design and the creation of places and buildings, how that all impacts various people that interact that use them daily. You know, I'm I'm excited. I work with some great people. I've been privileged to to work with, you know, in a, in a few firms that I've worked at. Uh, collaborating with these colleagues have been, you know, a, a real delight. And, you know, I think I and them take satisfaction in, you know, putting ideas on paper and sharing them and getting them to the point where we can share them, you know, with clients as a presentation and having them kind of see their own project or their own site differently than they had before. 
So I think cool. you know that, and of course, you know the associated travel and the inspiration that you get, and when we start to do you know our international work and that kind of stuff has been really exciting over the past few years. So you know the historical cities to more recent design innovations, that kind of stuff, all that stuff kind of really motivates you and starts to kind of or continues to, to to churn new design ideas and things and thoughts. Um, you know as we go forward. Yeah. That's cool. So I've been in construction for, for over three decades now, and I can tell you that the relationship between architect and contractor has really, it's, it's, it's done and had a paradigm shift in that there's a much, much tighter collaboration. It's a much more collaborative effort than it used to be. Um, used to be the architect drew the plans. Here, Mr. Contractor, build this. Now it's a very collaborative effort from the con conceptual all through the different phases of the drawings, which makes for a much smoother job, obviously reduces the, the occurrence of change orders. What's one myth that, about architecture that you want to debunk? That's a, that's a, that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, when you when we tell people, you know, what do you do? Oh, I'm an architect or I'm a, I, I focus on urban design and master planning because they're kind of subsets of each thing. I think, you know, some people think that all architects do the same job. You know, everybody's kind of the same thing. But really, each individual architect kind of brings a combination of their experiences, their creativities, their background, their knowledge, you know, their vision and interests and all that kind of stuff. And so the combination of their individual ideas and how we can make them all work is is pretty unique to our profession, I think. You know, and again, collaboration with our other trades and our other consultants. I think too that, you know, looking at architecture more as kind of almost the producer to the project and especially me doing more project management kind of stuff, you know, it's important to coordinate and control the client relationship and control the relationships with, you know, the the, the consultants and that kind of stuff. And I think a lot of people just kind of overlook it and like, oh, you're the one that give me a pretty picture, right. you know, give me a pretty picture. That's what I need. But there's a whole lot more to it. And I, you know, I, I think that more people, you know, once they kind of get into the industry, obviously they understand that. But when you start to tell people about what you really do on a day to day, they're just like, huh, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know that that was all you know, in that, you know, in the architecture profession. And then I would say the last, the second one or the third one, you know, as you can tell, you know, I'm, we don't all wear black, you know, I, you know, I'm a, <laughs> I think you can bring, you can bring color. to. I will agree with you. You are a very you know, colorful individual, Troy. <laughs> it doesn't have, you can bring, you can bring some bright colors and things and it doesn't all have to be black. And white. I love that. <laughs> That's a great answer. Thanks. Taylor, you want to, want to jump in here? Yeah, so I'm, I guess, moving forward, I'm really curious about trends that you're seeing, um, especially, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you'll have an answer to this, but especially as it relates to, obviously, we're going through a funk with materials and lack thereof, and so it makes me curious if that's impacting the way that you're designing things moving forward. Um, so I would love to know trends that you're seeing really in our region, but if you have anything nationally too. Yeah, I mean, obviously what's happening with, with the material and the lumber pricing is impacting a lot of, a lot of things. Um, you know, I think from, from my front end, my conceptual design and my master planning perspective, we're seeing a lot of trends. I mean, I, I, I think a lot of these, you know, uh, 
desires for outdoor spaces obviously have been heightened over the past year and for people oh, yeah. to get outside. And, um, you know, both for leisure, for commercial, for food and beverage, that's only going to continue to increase. I think we all think that that's a great thing. I mean, the, the eating outside is, has always been something I've enjoyed. I know most people typically enjoy it. You know, now that we have a lot of these spaces, like take Fells Point or, you know, things like that, where spaces where they weren't necessarily well-equipped to do that, but being able to take over the street and just, all right, well, we're adding a whole bunch of uh, new F&B opportunities for people to do that. It changes the whole feel of what that space is. And I think it's really positive. Um, I think, you know, along that same line, people really do respond well and positively to authentic design. You know, we're we're very um, cognizant of not doing themey architecture. That's certainly in the past. But, you know, you look at a lot of uh, great examples of what we would call successful spaces and places. And there's uh, this sense of authenticity to it. Um, There's kind of a uniqueness, uh, something that gets me out of the house that I, I need to go there. I need to go see it. I need to be in it and experience it. Um, and that's pretty important. And I think, you know, following up on that, we're going to start to see, and we've already started seeing, uh, kind of this redevelopment of the existing traditional shopping center and, you know, the mall, you know, your typical mall properties. Mm-hmm. And how are we, you know, reconverting those into more 18-hour mixed-use destinations with some residential, you know, how do we separate the e-commerce, you know, versus the experiential retail and the entertainment uses. And so, again, it's if you're a developer, if you're one of our clients, okay, well, how are we differentiating your project so that people are coming to visit your space and getting out of the house and doing thing, doing something that they can't do at home or something that they can't do online? Um so really, it's, you know, get them to, to come to the site, to stay, to spend money. That's all the kind of stuff that we've really been, you know, considering uh, in our master plans. And, you know, I only see that starting to, you know, uh, or continuing to, to go forward. And I think, too, from an urban design perspective and the impacts of, you know, downtowns and things, you know, how does, what does the office environment really start to, to shape up as, right? So, you know, we're, we're putting office uh, you know, considerations in our master plans, but, you know, nobody really knows, you know, is that, is that cut in half? Do people still go? Is it, hopefully it's, you know, three to four days a week, but you look downtown Baltimore right now, the CBD is still kind of dead, you know, and it, it can't really survive that way. And you've seen a lot of, uh, you know, retail and F and B that's, that's unfortunately had negative impacts as a result of that. So, an urban design perspective, we hope that that can kind of start to come back around a little bit more and, you know, moving offices just from downtown to Harbor East or Harbor Point or whatever. That, that's, that's nice, but it doesn't really solve the problem. It's just, you know, kind of just pushing the problem out a little bit. So that's something to kind of watch over the next year is, you know, what's the backfill in the downtowns and that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's a really interesting take on it. And I think too, and I've seen, you know, BCT do this so well is meshing the old with the new, especially in Baltimore, like not having this like brand new crazy development in Canton or wherever and um, really designing it so well where it it almost feels like it's always been there. 
Um, and I just think that you guys are really impressive with that. And so I think that's a trend too, is like really immersing the community in your design and designing for the, the people who live, work and play there, as opposed to, you know, what looks cool and fancy on paper. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny because we always, when we sit in this conference room, we look out, there's work done, you know, two buildings right out of our window, you know, the, the 10 light of course was mm -hmm. adaptive reuse and as was two Hopkins. You know, it's both into residential, but use the existing fabric you have and two great buildings in their own right. And uh, just like you said, Taylor, it's it doesn't have to be that scale necessarily. But, you know, how do you how do you celebrate and keep what you have uh, and then try to keep that that, that active? But yeah. Do you know notice? I'm sorry, Terry. Taylor, go ahead. No, I was just saying I love that answer. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I was going to ask, have you have you been seeing a trend towards converting uh, commercial office space into multifamily residential? Uh, yes. And, 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 you know, this is the two Hopkins is a great example of that. The, the footprint Absolutely. and the layout of the building actually worked out perfectly for it in terms of your typical dimensions and things. Um, you know, our housing studio is, is, is seeing that as well. Um, but I think, like I said, I think developers and, and, and our clients are really coming to, to the point where they're trying to wrap their head around, you know, okay, if, if I have this particular asset or this particular project area, this potential site, you know, how do we want, what's the long-term play here? And what's the overall mix, you know, that they're trying to see and, and being successful and that kind of stuff. Taylor? All right, so moving forward, um, in a more personal vein, my question yeah. is, I, so I know that you are like super close to your family and your dad, and I love that about you. And so I'm curious, and it doesn't have to be your dad because I just plugged him, but who has been <laughs> um, super influential to you in your career? Yeah, no, I, I, the first on my list was was my parents, of course, and you know, I, I grew up an only child, so it's, uh, you know, it was interesting. Obviously, it was very close with them, uh, and it's interesting. Most, you know, most of my family actually is in healthcare, uh, but they are always able to provide great insights, personally, professionally. Uh, I, I looked to my granddad. Uh, he was actually an engineer, and so I always appreciated how detail-oriented he was, and I feel like that's probably where I got, you know, a, a, a lot of my organizational skills and that kind of thing uh, was, was from that. Um, but, you know, I've also been very lucky to have, you know, great mentors at the firms I've worked at, you know, especially here at BCT, at Bryce Turner and, you know, Bob Northfield are two of my closest uh, mentors and I always feel like I can reach out to them. It's funny, Bryce and I actually, you know, we've, we've lived in the same condo building, you know, <laughs> since, since I've known them, uh, you know, and, and things like that. So that's been a great relationship. But yeah, it's, 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 you're always looking to learn from from great people. And I think, you know, that, that's the one thing too, uh, you know, about ULI is opening up your network and that kind of stuff and being able to, to talk to people that are like-minded and, you know, gain a lot of insights from them too. Ronnie, do you have another question? Yeah, what kind of footwear are you wearing today, Troy? <laughs> uh, today's Cole Honda. Ooh. <laughs> I, I say that because you always have cool shoes on. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, they're they're comfy. They so, for the last time we, we you, talked, so uh, you were talking about a project that you were working on in Cambridge. Is is that something that you can yeah. share with us? 
Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, we're, we're always doing a, a lot of different things. And I think that, uh, that's one of the exciting things of, of my usual day to usual day to day is it's not always focused on one thing. It's mixing up the projects that we have. So, you know, regionally and locally, we're doing uh, um, a new vision for the waterfront uh, in Cambridge. And uh, that kind of follows up on some of our work that we've done in, in town of Easton and Annapolis and that kind of stuff. So taking their waterfront along the chop tank when you come over uh, the bridge and, you know, really reimagining that as a as a public focused waterfront park space that, that feels accessible for everybody. And then also, you know, provides a little bit of uh, kind of low scale mixed use, but some unique anchor uh, possibilities that could draw people, draw tourists, draw residents. Uh, you know, I, it's, it's a planning process that they've been almost 15, 20 years uh, in the making down there. So they've done a ton of planning. You can tell they're very excited to actually get something moving. Um, so we feel that the process has been going well so far. Uh, and, you know, we're, we've, we've still got a ways to go, but we're, we're getting a, you know, a draft master plan of, close to being ready to share to the public. Uh, and then, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll sup supplement that with some branding and some ideas and things like that uh, to make it really a kind of a cohesive idea. You know, internationally, of course, we recently completed our schematic design package for a new shopping center redevelopment in Novosibirsk in Russia. So that was uh, about a 14, 15-month project, and, you know, it was incredibly interesting, learned a ton on that one to be able to go over and travel, and we had a great relationship with the client uh, over there, and, you know, certainly would love to get some more uh, potential projects with them, and uh, we're currently working on a new ground-up commercial center uh, in Saudi Arabia. So a lot of great things going on, and, of course, you know, we have a bunch of different studios, and everybody's our, obviously our housing studio senior living is jam-packed busy right now with stuff as as you guys know in, in in collaboration with us so you know i think a lot of a lot of great things going on in the firm we're excited to just kind of you know really kind of get people back in the office and right. uh you know kind of get back to the to the the, the usual feel that we that we had in the past <laughs> just a casual saudi arabia project yeah, yeah right yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, you know, Russia, yeah. Saudi Arabia. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> Taylor, yeah. you got you, you got anything you want to ask? Yeah, so I mean, this is kind of a two-part question, and you touched on it about how you're excited to get everyone back into the office, and so I'm curious how COVID has not only affected you in terms of work-life balance. I know. You know, in this past year, people are working more than ever because they're just at home working all the time. Um, and so I'm curious how it's impacted you, but also like what your feelings are as it relates to returning back to the office, returning back to networking events so we can see your face in person. Um, yeah. I just want to know what you think the future holds for you in, in terms of returning. Yeah, so, you know, I. I think we were lucky here at, at BCT. We actually were able to keep our office open most of the time over the past year. And, um, you know, I, I, most of you know, I, I, I'm a routine-oriented guy. Um, so I like to keep my home life and my work life kind of separated. 
and was actually able to come in the office. So I really was only out of the office for probably a, a week um, early on and then came in here and yeah, I'm just I'm more productive in here. Uh, you know, all, all my resources are, are here. Uh, so that was was great. Uh, you know, again, we're, we're starting to get people back in, uh, you know, three, four days a week. And, uh, you know, we're kind of evolving our policy. So I think leadership's done a great job and kind of being considerate and cautious, but also recognizing that, you know, we as an architecture firm, we're better when we're in together to collaborate. So we're trying to get back to, to that state. Uh, and, you know, when it comes to returning to events and networking events, I mean, you guys know, I mean, I'm an extrovert. So, you know, I, 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 I be, not being around people or whatever this, this past year has not been us. a challenge. You know, <laughs> I've enjoyed I've enjoyed whenever I can or whenever I can get out to events, you know, and trust me, I'm more than ready to, 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 to see colleagues in person and share some drinks and, and all that good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you wear color and you're an extrovert. You are like breaking all architecture myths. Right now. <laughs> this, this, this is true. This is true. Rare. Rarities. Yeah. Well, Troy, I just I can't thank you enough for for hanging out with us for our first podcast, which we'll find a name for eventually, I'm sure. <laughs> maybe it has no name. That's our uh, maybe it doesn't need a name. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, this was fun, Troy. Um, always, yeah. always enjoy interacting with you. Um, of course, you know, I'm, I'm sure Taylor feels the same way. Um, I'm looking forward to hanging out with you next week at the uh, Urban Land Institute of Baltimore. Their content before cocktails at, uh, at a Chesapeake contracting group project, Yard 56. So Troy, thanks a lot. Yep. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Ronnie. Taylor, thank you thanks, for Taylor. doing all the technical upfront stuff. And, uh, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, right, Troy. Guys. It was great. We'll see you next week. Yeah. Take right. care.